So Mark chapter 5 is where we're at today. We are doing 16 weeks, 16 chapters. It works out beautifully. I can't get over that. That is, uh, that is so good. And we will end Mark chapter 16 on uh, Easter Sunday, looking at the resurrection. So I'm kind of giddy when I think about 16 weeks, 16 chapters, landing on Easter Sunday. Too perfect. And uh, so last week I wasn't here with you guys, um, and I missed you. I really did. I was uh, staying up at night thinking about all of you. And uh, Okay, maybe not, but I did miss you. I really did. Uh, I was in New Hampshire speaking uh, to uh, about 300 students, and it was just really an incredible time. Uh, I just want to want to kind of tell you my heart and our, our heart as a, as a new church is, is for New England as a whole. Uh, God has really put that on our hearts. And so I, I get the privilege to kind of travel a bit and, and speak in different places around New England um, and, and just minister across New England, which is really a, a cool opportunity. Another cool piece um, of, of, of kind of w- what I get to do is travel to different parts of the country and kind of raise awareness for the need for what we're doing here in New England, and, and they don't really have a clue that it's a little different up here than the rest of the country, and so I get to kind of raise a, awareness to, to, to that fact, and uh, it, it was a really cool time last week ministering to people from all over New England. We saw 11 people give their lives to Christ, which is really, really obviously something to be praising the Lord for. A lot of other people just really dealing with sin issues in their life, and uh, so I want to I praise God for that, but I am glad to be back. Heard Ryan held the fort down very well last week, and so I thank him for that. And uh, you guys dug into Mark chapter 4. I gave him like probably the hardest chapter in the entire book to work through. So uh, that, w- that was uh, very timely for uh, the seminarian over here, right? But uh, I hope you're enjoying Mark. I totally am enjoying Mark. And so uh, we're going to continue on Mark chapter 5 this morning. Why don't we just take some time to pray, ask God to move in this time, and we'll jump right into it, all right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege to look at your word and to hear from you. Thank you that it's been recorded throughout history for us to, to be able to sit here and, and even uh, in our country um, just freely read it, freely study it. No fear of persecution for that fact, and, and so we're thankful, Lord. And uh, God, as we look at this this morning, God, I pray that your power uh, would just, just fill this room, that you would show us some important stuff. You would change our hearts. You would stir our hearts. You would make us aware of some things that we need to be aware of. And uh, Lord, would you just illuminate your scripture to us as we uh, jump into it this morning. And so uh, we'll just commit that to you. We pray too for um, Holly as uh, she's back in the hospital. Um, Lord, I ask that you would just be with her, uh, give her comfort, give her relief. And we pray for that little baby inside of her uh, for health as well. And uh, Lord, thank you for um, the the gift of life. We anticipate a healthy baby coming uh, in a few weeks. And so we just commit that to you, Lord. Um, Lord, we we love you. And this is your morning. And uh, we'll trust you for good things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I uh, have told you several times before, as a new church, we kind of have this cool opportunity to set some... uh, set some standards, set some trends of, of things we're going to do in the future and kind of set the trajectory of where we're going. And so one of the things we, we have really committed to doing is, is really being committed to preaching through books of the Bible. And so how that kind of takes, takes place in our, uh, in our church is we'll do a book of the Bible and then we'll do a topic that's kind of relevant to something we're uh, specifically facing and then we'll do a book of the Bible and then a topic and we'll kind of go like that. And, and one of the cool things about, about doing um, 
books of the Bible is it, it really, for me, it forces me to preach whatever's next. So whatever's next, that's where I go and that's what I preach. And it really kind of keeps me from getting on my three soapbox topics. And of course, you know, all preachers have that and I have my three things that aren't bad things. They're just things that I'm particularly passionate about. And uh, it keeps uh, you at a place where you're able to hear more than just uh, Josh's uh, specific topics that he loves to talk about. So uh, today, for me, is clearly one of these occasions where I'm preaching what's next, right? I'm just preaching what's next and, and not necessarily something that I'm particularly fond of talking about. And so today, we have the honor of talking about Satan and demons. And so let's, let's jump into it. If you have your Bible in Mark chapter 5, that's where we're going to be. And uh, I do want to point out that so far in the book of Mark, we have seen uh, quite a bit of uh, activity in uh, the demonic with, with Satan and, and demons. And so let me just kind of walk you through the, the, the five chapters up to this point so you can kind of see the activity that we've already seen. In Mark chapter 1, verse 13, we see Jesus tempted by Satan, and he's, he's tempted for 40 days in, in the wilderness. So we see that Mark chapter 1, 23, we have a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. In Mark chapter 1, 32, we have uh, Jesus... Um, having all these people coming to him, bringing people they know who are, are, are possessed by demons while Jesus is living in Peter's house with some of his disciples. They're coming to, to, to Peter's house, Jesus' house now, and, uh, and, and bringing them to him. He's, he's doing a ministry there. Uh, in Mark chapter 139, we see that as, as, as Jesus travels throughout um, the, the region as kind of this itinerant preacher teaching and preaching and, and doing miracles, one of the, the major miracles that he's doing, it says in Mark 139, is he's casting out demons. We get into Mark chapter 3, verse 11, and, and there it kind of declares that, that whenever Jesus was out doing his ministry, these, these people with unclean spirits would come to him, and they would fall down to the ground right in front of him and declare, you are the Son of God. So we've seen quite a bit of activity all leading up to where we're at today in, in Mark chapter 5, which is our longest treatment in the book of Mark on the subject of, of demons. And so that's kind of what we're going to what we're going to uh, focus on this morning for that reason. And so as you can see kind of throughout the book so far, there's a lot of demonic activity around the ministry of Jesus. Now there are a couple of conclusions that we can draw from the fact that there's this demonic activity that's just so, so prevalent right here um, in, 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 in the first five chapters of Mark. One conclusion might be that there was more activity then than, than there is now. The other conclusion that we could draw is, is, is that um, it's happening today and we just don't notice it. Now, here, here's, here's kind of the conclusion I, I've come to as I'm praying about this, thinking about this. I'm going to conclude that, that both of those are true. Now, hear me out as I, as I kind of explain this. It's safe to, to conclude that, that both are true because demonic activity certainly flared up in and around the, the, uh, the, the ministry of Jesus in this day, as you compare it to the rest of the scriptures, it is certainly flaring up, uh, clearly more visible here. And, and it, I mean, it makes sense, right? Jesus is ushering in the eternal kingdom of God. And so Satan and his posse are freaking out, right? They're going nuts, and, and, and they want to do something about it. And so the, the heat is on. Again, chapter 1. Satan is all over Jesus, 40 days straight, trying to tempt him, tempt him, tempt him, and, and Jesus just blows him out of the water, coming back at him with, with, with Scripture. And so we see that. And, and the demons, as we even just read uh, earlier, are, are just going absolutely nuts, throwing themselves at the ground of Jesus as he comes and, 
and, and they realize that he is God. And, and so we, we do see that it has certainly flared up around the ministry of Jesus at this time. But we can also conclude that it is happening today. We, we, we must know that it is happening today. And, and I think so often we just kind of write it out. And we don't want to go there. I, I just want, want us to know that demonic activity is, is happening today. I, I'd suggest that some of it today is often simply written off as as just a medical condition. That, that's pretty common today. Do we believe in medicine? Absolutely, we believe in medicine. Luke, who writes one of our four Gospels, he also writes the book of Acts. You remember his profession? He was a physician, right? So we believe in, in, in medicine, and we do believe that some people have real conditions. However, some people may be claiming to hear voices, and may actually be hearing voices, right? I mean, we see that in, in, in Scripture. And I say all this to say that, yes, demonic activity flared up around the ministry of Jesus. Certainly the, the, the gates of hell are being definitely stirred and, and definitely freaking out because Jesus is here. But yet, at the same time, we must know that it's happening today as well. It, it absolutely is. And so, let me say this. There are, there are two dangers here um, when it comes to uh, this demonic activity and, and how we kind of perceive it. First is, is that some people kind of have this unnecessary preoccupation with, with Satan and demons. Typically, in my experience, it's the person who's read one too many Left Behind series, you know what I'm talking about, right? So they just have this, this strange obsession and, you know, unnecessary kind of preoccupation with, with Satan's, Satan and demons. And, and so they're the kind of person who, you know, finds a demon for everything. You know, like the other day I was in Jamaica playing, um, looking for a parking spot to, to take my boys to this store that I wanted to, to take them to. And uh, we are just weaving all over trying to find a parking spot. We couldn't find anything. The, the person who's kind of got that, that obsession would say, well, it was the, the parking demon, right? It was, he, was, he was up to something, right? Or, you know, the, you know obviously we uh, were expecting, we were expecting the Patriots to be in the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously they should be. But, um, you know, in the AFC championships, I guess – you know, Tom Brady's right arm was demon-possessed, right? There's a, there's a demon for everything in, in these people. You know what I'm talking about? Like, there, there are people like that. And, and seriously now, do you think Brady's arm, do you think my parking spot is that big of a deal on, on Satan's agenda? You know, I, I, don't, I don't think so. so. So that's one danger. It's just this unnecessary preoccupation. Too much focus, and, and, and they're walking around freaking out about everything. The second danger is this, is, is, is pretending that they're not there. That, that's a real danger, pretending that they're not there. Or for some Christians, many Christians, I would say, believing that they're there, but just kind of pushing it to the side and just ignoring it altogether and, and really giving it little thought. Because the truth is, it's kind of weird. You know, like maybe you're kind of a little uncomfortable right now just the prospect of talking about Satan and demons. It's, it's, it's kind of weird for you. Or maybe it's just for you hard to, to comprehend because it's unseen and I don't know. You know, it, it, it's a little bit strange. Oftentimes also I think us, us Westerners a lot of times think we're, we're so sophisticated, right? And that is for primitive people, right? Back then or that's for you know, activity that happens in third world countries, but, you know, not here. And, and, and perhaps uh, the activity here, it's happening, but we just kind of categorize it and understand it in different terms. But we need to know that it is here. Now, in our minds, for a lot of us, I think the, 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 the categories that we have built for, for Satan and demons are, you know, the, the red dude with the horns and the pitchfork. I mean, that's, that's our guy. You know, we, that's, we think that. Or maybe you picture, remember Tom and Jerry, right? The great cartoon. And Tom always has the little, 
you know, the demon and the little angel pop up on his shoulders, and he's, you know, what am I going to do? Am I gracious to Jerry, the, the mouse, or am I going to go after him, go after him, right? And that's kind of a category we have. Or, you know, I think realistically a lot, a lot of people have this category of it's just like this impersonal force of evil, right, out there. And those are kind of the, 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 the places that we'll go in our minds, and for many that's as far as we go on, on the topic. But what I want to do this morning is, is really look at some biblical truths, walk through some scripture, and, and, and see what we can learn. Now, it's way scattered. I mean, it's all over the scripture and all kinds of different spots. So what I'm going to do is, is I'm just going to give you all kinds of references throughout. And, and, and some of it I'll quote. Some of it I'll just kind of give you just a little summary of some references. So get your pen out if this is a topic that you need to grow in or are interested in. Scribble some of these references down and go back and study it a little later. So at the back of your river guide, there's a, there's a place for you to take some notes. If you want to get some pens, there, we can pass these baskets around and you can, you can do that. But uh, grab some uh, pens and, and maybe take some notes, jot some references down for further studies. But here's the biblical truth. So Satan is a created angel of, of God known as Lucifer, created by God before the, the earth was made. And according to uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, uh, he was one of an innumerable number of angels. He was one of just this massive number of angels. We move into Ezekiel chapter 28, 12 through 14, and it describes Lucifer, this angel, as, as full of wisdom, describes him as perfect in, in, in beauty. But then we move into Isaiah chapter 14, Revelation 12, sometime after God declared that his creation was very good, the angel Lucifer, we now know as Satan, in his pride wants to become God. And so he chooses to rebel against God, persuading one-third of this innumerable number of angels, persuading one-third of them to join him to rebel against God. And so what God does is he says, all right, you're done. He casts them out of heaven, casts them down to earth. And so this one-third of angels, along with Lucifer, and we now call Satan, we call these angels fallen angels. We often refer to them, the Bible refers to them as evil spirits, unclean spirits, as, as demons. And they are in this constant rebellion uh, against God, and they are out to lead us astray and out to lead us away from our creator God. And what I want us to just know right out of the gate here is, is that Jesus is for us and demons are against us. We, we need to know that, that Jesus, the Bible says, comes so that we might have life and, and Satan and, and his, his forces desire our, our death. And it is important for us to really take this stuff seriously. It's important for us to really give it some serious thought as to what the Bible has to say about this. Um, and, and for those who do, again, take it seriously but have an unhealthy kind of preoccupation with this Satan and, and, and demon stuff, what they'll often do is they'll give Satan and demons too much credit, too much credit. And, and, and so again, as we said, everything in their minds can often become uh, a demon. And so let's think about this for a second. So if, if one-third of the uh, innumerable amounts of angels have fallen and they are here, we need to know that they're, they're angels, but they're not God, right? We, we've got to know that. And so they can't be everywhere at the same time all at once as, as God can. So, so Tom Brady... His arm 
you know, being possessed by a demon, right, as, 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 as we joke. Uh, look, these, these guys aren't, aren't, aren't omnipresent like God, and so I think they're going to be spending their time on things far more important than some of the things that we attribute them to, right? God is, is omnipresent, and, and yet Satan is not. And, and here's the other thing that we, I think, struggle with a lot of times, is we have this, this idea that, that we, have, we have God, our God, as a good God, and then a lot of people just kind of see Satan as the bad version, the evil version. We kind of attribute to them the, the same power. We kind of have like this yin-yang kind of thing going on in this epic battle equal in, in power. But ultimately, we, we need to know that this is not how it works. Satan is not like the bad version of God. We need to know that ultimately, Satan is immeasurably inferior to God. Is he powerful? Yes, but he is immeasurably inferior. And so he's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. He's, he's not omnipotent. He's not you know, forceful as, as God. He doesn't have that kind of power, and he's certainly not omniscient as, as God is. So let's walk through all of these for a second. God is, is omnipresent. He's, he's everywhere, but Satan's presence is, is limited. He can only be at one place at, at one time, and so I imagine he finds it a better use of his time to, uh, you know, be working on somebody more heavy hitter for the kingdom than, say, uh, you know, Tom Brady or me for that matter. And so what Satan then does, rather than uh, putting his personal time in everybody because he can't do that because he's not omnipresent. He employs his, his uh, demons to do that work to influence you. And then we have God who is, who is omnipotent, all-powerful, compared to Satan who is not all-powerful. He is not omnipotent. Now, however, we need to know that we can't take him lightly. His power is far more than we ever want to, to mess with. Satan can has the capability of manifesting himself in, in ways that we just can't, like in Genesis, as we read Genesis 3, like a serpent. We need to know that, that Satan also can cause, uh, he can cause miracles to happen. Second Thessalonians uh, chapter uh, 2, verse 9 says that he can cause false signs and, and false wonders. And so we need to know that, that he is powerful, but like God, he is not he is, he's not like God and that he is all-powerful. It's not how it works. And then we also need to know that, that he, uh, God is, is omniscient, all-knowing, but, but Satan is, is not all-knowing. And so his, 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 his knowledge is limited. Satan can't read your mind. He can't read your thoughts. However, Satan and his forces have been around for thousands and thousands of years, right, doing uh, the same thing they're doing today, tempting people. And so they become very good at reading you and knowing where you're going to go and, and knowing how you're going to respond. And so though not all-knowing, certainly has a keen sense on what we struggle with and, and how to cause us to fall. Say all this, all of this, to show you um, just the biblical truth on Satan and, and demons and give you a little bit of background. Now, let's jump into our scripture uh, for this morning, Mark chapter 5. We'll start with 1 through 5, and we'll just kind of treat this as, as a good case study for us here, coming from the book of Mark. Mark chapter 5, 1 through 5, it says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. 
For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. So let's stop there. Here's what we have. This story is just after, obviously, Mark chapter 4. And and, and the last uh, kind of piece of the narrative that we get in Mark chapter 4 is that famous story of, of Jesus calming the storm right you know the story so now he's he's trying to get to the other side of 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 the sea of galilee here in mark chapter 5 finally gets to the other side of the the sea of galilee after just this brutal stretch of of ministry i'm just been working his tail off been working hard and when he gets finally to the other side of the sea after trying to have a have a nap right on the boat and didn't get the nap that he needed on the boat he finally gets to the other side and he lands there doesn't even have a second to breathe what does it say happens as soon as he gets there it says immediately immediately after he steps out of the boat a man with an unclean spirit uh, a possessed man comes up to them and it says that that this man lived among the the tombs right so this is this is some dark stuff right this man is possessed he's living among the 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 tombs he's in this social isolation and it says that they had tried to bind him they had tried to to lock him up but he begins to display this kind of superhuman strength and he's he's wrenching the chains and he's breaking the the shackles that they're trying to to bind him with no one could subdue him and it says that night and day he's wandering through these tombs he's going up on on the mountaintops and he's screaming he's even cutting himself it's not a new idea i mean here's satan's goal is your destruction that that's what he wants he wants your destruction because he knows that god deeply loves you he knows that that you have been created in the image of 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 god and so satan is out to destroy you and out to thwart the plans of the lord and so murder so self-destructive behavior suicide often demonic activity and so that's what we have going on here just self-destructive behavior social isolation it's just terrible now here's a common question that we're going to get stemming from this story is can a christian become demon possessed that's that's a common question i think we'll hear here's the deal i don't believe that a true christian can become demon possessed true christians are not to be filled with demons true christians are filled with the holy spirit right we are we are filled with the holy spirit scripture is very clear that at the moment that we come to faith in jesus the holy spirit takes up residence inside of our hearts and so unlike the old testament we know we no longer need a temple with the veil the veil is torn he is now inside of us he is living inside of us the body of christ the church we are the 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 temple now and and, and we have the, the the spirit of god and this is not this this modern spiritualism where we're all gods and god is a piece of us and inside that that's not what we're we're talking about rather what we're talking about is that god takes up residence in our hearts and our lives and he helps us lives through us the kind of life that he's he's called us to live and so i believe that a true christian cannot be demon possessed however catch this however we can be demonically influenced i really believe we can be demonically influenced there's this this real war that is 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 raging 
among us, much of which is, is unseen. And so another passage I want to look at this morning, if you want to flip to the right, we're going to go Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now I'm going to read verse 12. We'll get to the rest of it in a little while. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, here's what it says. Paul says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So we are fighting and we are active in spiritual warfare. And therefore, we must be like a good soldier. We must be prepared. We must prepare ourselves. And so let's kind of, for the rest of our time, let's look at some of the necessary preparations uh, for this kind of warfare that we are in and that the two-thirds of the angels are battling in for us, uh, ministering to us and for us um, in as well. So here's the first preparation. The very first preparation is this. Join Jesus' team. Simple as that. Join Jesus' team. We're going to see the victory of Jesus over this demonic activity in, in just a minute. But listen, you are going to be eternally destroyed without Jesus. I, mean, I believe that with all of my heart. This is what the enemy wants. He wants you destroyed. And so we have demonic attack. There's demonic comfort. Right? Some of us enjoy demonic comfort or, or demonic indifference. I mean, Satan knows what he's doing. And, and maybe there's a reason why we, we hear of much more prevalent, open, blatant demonic activity in, in, in third world countries because we're so sophisticated that, that maybe Satan knows that all he's got to do is just keep us comfortable and happy. And then we will be destroyed in the end. But he knows what he's doing. And so we must join Jesus' team. Scripture is very clear. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of his standard. It goes on, it says, the, the wages of our sin, the result of our sin is death. Death. You turn from God, the life giver, the one who breathed life into you, you turn from that. The natural result, turning from the life giver, is death. It's death. But it goes on, comma, the free gift of, of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You can have life in Christ Jesus, if you'll trust in him and bank your whole life and your eternity on him. And so join Jesus' team. Now, Jesus is more than just a pawn that we want to get on our team so that we can win this warfare. It's not like it's third grade, recess, we're playing kickball, and I pick Jesus because he's going to help me win. That's not what we're, we're, we're talking about here. I mean, so many people like to use Jesus, right? I'll, I'll show up to church when life gets tough because who knows, maybe he can help me beat this. Or my conscience is really, really heavy right now. And I'll try church because maybe, maybe this Jesus thing, maybe he can ease my conscience uh, a little bit. Listen, don't use Jesus. Join Jesus. Don't try to get him on your team. You go join his team because you know that he is God. He is victorious. He is your hope. And, and so let's see what Jesus does here. Just watch Jesus um, and why we want to be on his team, why we want to trust in him and follow him. Look at Mark now, chapter 5. We'll look at, we'll look at 6 uh, through 13. It says, And when he saw Jesus, he being the man uh, possessed with the demon, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. Seen that before, right? And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, 
do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Catch that. For he was saying to him. This was work. Come out of him. He was over and over. Come out of him. Come out of him. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and were drowned in the sea. So, for those of us who trust in Jesus, place faith in Jesus, this power that has been displayed is for you. This power is for you. Jesus is behind you. Scripture says, Romans 8, 31, if, if God is for us, then who can be against us? I mean, if this power is, is behind us, who can be against us? So let's kind of recap the story here, what's happened. Jesus gets out of the boat. Immediately, this, this demon-possessed man comes running up to Jesus. He falls down before him. Now, it could be that this man was in his right mind at the moment, falls down before Jesus, like, help me. It could be that, that it's the demon falling down, submitting to the authority of Jesus. It could be a little bit of both, but nonetheless, falls down before Jesus, says, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Please don't torment me. Please don't destroy me. And, and here's what we, we've seen so far in the book of Mark in these first five chapters in the demonic activity that's recorded here. We've seen that, that, that demons have some of the best Christology of anyone in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? Like Demons have, have the best understanding of Jesus and his power of anybody we see in the entire, uh, in the entire Bible. They, they call out to Jesus, Son of the Most High God. You are capable of tormenting us. And they just fully get it. Jesus is God. Jesus is all-powerful. How about Mark chapter 1, 23, as we've reviewed a little while ago, the demon acknowledges Jesus can destroy me, and he is the Holy One of God. Mark chapter 3, 11 said that the demons would always fall down on the ground before Jesus and declare, you are the Son of God. And so they have this great understanding of who he is. They have this great understanding of his power, of his capability, that he is God. And, 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 and even demons recognize the deity of God and, and the power of God. And so let's stop for a second and just allow that to be a warning for us. Let that be a really big warning for, for us that, listen, just because you acknowledge that he is God, just because you acknowledge that he is powerful, doesn't make you right with him. It might make you a demon. No, I'm just messing. Listen, what it says is that, that there, there has to be more than just acknowledging who he is. There has to be more than just amazement with who he is. There actually has to be submission of your will and of your heart to him and say, I want you to be my Lord. I trust in you, lest you be like a demon, right? So back to Mark chapter 5, the demon acknowledges that he's the son of God, capable of doing to him whatever he wants to do. And what does Jesus do? He says he's saying to the demon, come out of the man, come out of the man, come out of the man. And then Jesus asks him, this is interesting, what is your name? Demon responds, my name is Legion, right? For we are many. 
Now, a legion is, is a unit in the Roman military of 6,000 soldiers. doesn't necessarily mean that this man had 6,000 demons inside of him. It just means that, as he said, there were many demons in, in, inside of him. And then they kind of transition into begging Jesus. Don't send us away to another country. Jesus, don't send us away to a, a, another country. And then what they do is they notice on the hillside, there's this herd of pigs, 2,000 pigs. So not necessarily 6,000. There's 2,000 pigs. Could be more than one demon in the pig. Who knows, right? But they notice that, and they ask Jesus, let us leave the man and go into the, the pigs. I mean, how's that for desperation, right? How's that for dignity? Let us go to the pigs. And, and here's what we kind of see, just a, just a little kind of helpful fact. What we see often in the Scripture is that demons want to possess something. They want to inhabit something. If it's not this man, it's let us go into the pigs. And so they enter into the pigs. What happens? The pigs run off this cliff and drown in the sea. And so once again, we kind of see this destructive behavior of Satan, demons, and that force of fallen angels. But more importantly than that, here's what we see. We see the power and the authority of Jesus over all of this junk. We see that Jesus is in control, that Jesus has all authority, that the authority of God the Father has been given to God the Son and is spoken even today through us by the Spirit of God. Jesus is in control. And and listen, if you will come to Him, if you will join Him, that power is behind you and He can display that power in you. And, And so He has all power. We read further in Scripture that He has made all provisions for you to have that power behind you to be victorious over this and so how do we respond to this information that we're, we're getting here from mark 5 and other scriptures uh, to satan and, and demons first response is this preparation response is this join jesus's team join it here's a second preparation you might want to write this one down know your enemy you got to know your enemy listen when i was in high school um kind of embarrassed to say this i was a wrestler <laughs> not not uh not the you know gold belt buckle, you know, dropping elbows, jumping off of ropes kind of wrestler, but I was a spandex-wearing kind of wrestler, you know what I'm talking about? I was a wrestler in high school, and so go ahead and laugh. It's, it's okay. Do your thing. But uh, so I, I remember these Friday, Saturday night tournaments that I was in for, for wrestling, like half day, Friday, and uh, then all day Saturday. And, and one thing that they would do is they would print out these big brackets of everybody in the tournament. They would post them on the walls for all the different weight classes around the gym. And so what would happen is, is you could go to the bracket. And you could say, okay, if I win this match, I'm going to be wrestling one of these two guys, the winner of that match. And so you could go to that match and you could watch those guys in the gym because there was all these wrestling mats all over the gym. You could watch them wrestle and you could kind of just pick out different things, make mental notes about what they were doing. And so I could, you know, watch this guy over here and say, I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be wrestling the winner of this match. And so I'm watching this guy and I'm noticing, okay, he's technical, but he's not very strong. So if I get him on his back, it's over, right? I watch these guys over here and say, okay, this guy is really good with his legs. And so I don't want to get wrapped up by this guy, right? Come over here. I look at this guy. This guy is jacked. I could never pin him, but he has no wind. And so I can just outlast him, right? And, and I, if I just outlast him, I'll, I'll win this, this match. And so I would study my opponents and I would learn my opponents. And, and, and I want to encourage you, learn your opponents. For the big game tonight, you know what's been happening all week, right? Packers are watching video of the Steelers. 
And the Steelers are watching video of the Packers, right? They're, they're learning what they do and how to, to combat that. Now, our video is not these crazy exorcism videos that are out, movies that are out right now. Our video, not these, you know, shows with the picture, you know, fictional takes on Satan and, and demons. In fact, I think a lot of this stuff can put stuff in your mind and bring your mind to places that you, you really shouldn't go, glamorizing Satan and demons and all of that stuff. Your video is right here. This is where you go to get the history. This is where you go to, to read and say, okay, what has Satan done in the past? How has he been victorious? When has he lost? Why did he lose here? Listen, know your enemy. Study him. Learn him. And, and really get to understand the schemes of Satan and his, his army. Now, here's some things. Let me just give you some sampling. Some things that you can know about Satan from Scripture as you're looking at your opponent. Here's some things you can know. You can know that he is a deceiver. Right? The Bible says he is the father of lies. He's constantly lying to Jesus those 40 days in the wilderness. And Jesus did what? Just opened the Bible to him and just said, no, here's what it actually says. Here's what it actually, he just loves to lie to you. The Bible says that, that Satan, remember we read earlier, Satan is beautiful. He was made beautiful, full of wisdom and just unbelievably beautiful. And so I don't know that he's going to show up to you as a scary red goblin with horns and a pitchfork, right? says he's beautiful. Fellas, he might show up as a, as a wildly attractive woman on your computer. He's beautiful. He knows how to cause you to fall. The Bible says he's loaded with pride, right? And so he's going to appeal to your pride. You don't need God. You can be God. You can do this on your own. He appeals to your, your pride. Another thing we can know is, is that he is sneaky. I mean, he's super sneaky, right? First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says that he prowls around like a roaring lion. Lion seeking someone that he can, he can devour. And so what we can learn from that, how we can apply that is, I'm not going to do this faith alone, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to huddle with other believers. I'm going to not do this alone, right? Because there's safety in numbers. Or as it says in 1 Peter 5, I'm going to be alert. I'm going to be watchful because he's looking to pounce on me, right? I'm, I'm going to be watchful. We also know John 14, 30, that he's the prince of this world. And so he's got subjects underneath him that he can call to help him destroy you. He's the prince of the world. And then like that high school wrestler, we also know that he doesn't have a lot of wind. We can read that. He doesn't have a lot of stamina. James chapter 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. First Peter 5, 8 also says, resist him, resist him, resist him. So you get it. This is just kind of a sampling. You know your opponent. You know his schemes. You know his weaknesses. You don't obsess you don't have this unnecessary, unhealthy preoccupation, but you do know him. You study him and his schemes, and you don't live in fear. You know that Jesus is for you, but it's important to know your enemy. So one, join your enemy. Two, or join, don't join your enemy. Join Jesus, then know your enemy. And then the third one is this. Guard yourself from your enemy. This is important. Guard yourself from your enemy. Some, some people may leave a, a, a gathering like this. The, the, the few occasions you, you jump into studying Satan and demons. Some people may leave something like this and just be all fired up to go Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? On, on, on Satan and demons, right? I'm going to go and get them and I'm going to go hunt them down. Listen, I don't want you to, to leave ready like to hunt Satan and demons down and, and, and kind of trying to spar with, with the devil, because it says he's like a lion. You're not going to win against a lion in and of yourself. So you read up on them. Say you, say you love lions. You're studying lions. That's what you do, right? 
You're going you're gonna to study a lion. You're going to read up on lions. Um, you may even want to go on an African safari, right, to, to check out lions in their natural habitat. And you'll talk with a cool Australian accent because you have to do that when you're on a safari, right? But what you're going to do on an African safari as you're looking at lions, you're going to keep your door shut, right? You're going to keep your windows shut. You're not going to be the guy on a safari in your white Jeep Wrangler and you're going to take the doors off, right? You're not going to do that. You're going to keep the the doors shut. And and, and likewise, in your life, you've got to keep the door shut. And I, I think a lot of us can have places in our lives that are exposed, like they're, they're big doors off of off of our, our, off of our Jeep, right? Off of our, our windows are down, and we're just saying, come on in, nibble on my leg, right? I mean, that's kind of the, the, the life some people may be living, and, and, and it might be seen in, in some of the stuff you read, some of the stuff you, you, you watch, some of the sin you may participate in. It's like you, you've got the door off the hinges, and you're saying, come on in, come on in, come on in. As a parent, man, I'm thinking ahead, and some of you guys, your parents are going to be parents, Right? Be thinking, what are my kids up to? What are, they, what, are they, what, are they, what are they into? What are they doing? Follow them closely. You've got to guard. You've got to make sure doors are shut, windows are, are, are shut. Um, and, and look out for these open doors to Satan. And look out for these open doors to the demonic activity. Let me just kind of give you an example of this. This is where it gets real uncomfortable, not fun. But um, in, in our sending church that helped us kind of get off the ground here, there was a a girl that we, we kind of dealt with, and she was a teenager, or when she was a teenager, she was real involved in, like, the occult and real connected to that stuff. And um, involved, kind of becomes uh, a, a younger woman in her 20s, brutally anorexic, just wasting away to nothing. And just there was this oppression. She just could not beat this. And, and then it, it evolved into she was hospitalized for months and months and months, and then just long time to where her parents call us and say listen this is crazy but several times we're, we're hearing from our frail little daughter who's wasting away to nothing on a hospital bed we're hearing masculine voices loud coming out of her body saying things that are just awful awful it begins with open doors open doors to demonic activity and so we have to keep the the doors Shut. She did eventually pass away from her anorexia. And so keep the doors closed. Keep the doors closed. We're called to resist him, to be alert to him and his presence. Guard yourself from the enemy. Guard from the enemy. So join Jesus. Know your enemy. Guard yourself from your enemy. And then uh, number four, because it is inevitable that the attacks will come, know your weapons. Back to Ephesians chapter 6. Can we do that? Ephesians chapter 6. This time we'll read uh, 10 through 18. Know your weapons. Here's what it says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So we've been talking about his schemes. Now here's how we stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Unseen stuff here. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand 
in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened, fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for not just yourself, but for all the saints, for each other. So these are our weapons that we have, not in and of ourselves, but weapons that we have in Christ Jesus. And they are truth, righteousness, gospel, faith, salvation, and the word of God, which is like the sword, right? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I love, I love this verse. It says that, that his divine power, God, has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. See, God has given us everything that we need to be victorious in, in this life that is so difficult. And, and, and all of this stuff here is, is, is an example of, of what he has given us. It's, it's yours. And so familiarize yourself with your resources. You're going you're gonna to need to be trained in this stuff. Understand how to, to utilize this stuff. So, so practically, there may be a time in your life, there will be a time in your life, when you are struggling with a particular sin, there will be times in your life where something is just pressing on you. It's just so, so heavy. And, and it very well may be in what the Bible calls an unclean spirit upon you. But God has given you truth, as it says. It says that God has given you his, his word and, and you need to use it. You need to wield it, as we saw Jesus do in, in, in Mark chapter one, wield his word. It goes on. The other one is, is, is righteousness, right? So the enemy is going gonna, is gonna to come at you and say, you're filthy, you're dirty. He's going to shame you. And you say, no, I, I have the righteousness of Christ, right? And, and you can use that. The next one is, is gospel, right? Enemy's going to come at you and say, you need to do this, 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 and this to earn Jesus. It's called religion. And, and the gospel is anti-religion the gospel is no you don't earn this jesus earned this and so you claim the gospel next one is is faith satan's going to cause you to to doubt and you have faith that god has has given you it's 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 a shield as he throws these these flaming arrows at you and these arrows would hit these these wooden shields and cause them to to burn no we have we have faith salvation it's like a helmet right salvation is protecting us from the head wounds, right? The fatal, fatal blows, right? We have eternity with Jesus. We have been saved from Satan, sin, and death. And then that, that sword of the Spirit, the, the Word of, of God, He's given us what we need. He's given us these resources. So we need to learn to, to utilize these, these resources. Now, there, there are also going to be times in your life you need to understand that you have the Spirit of God inside of you. He has taken up residence in you, and He wants to be victorious through you. And so there will be times in your life where it is necessary for you to simply speak a command, a rebuke to a demonic influence, demanding them to leave in the name of Jesus. Now, some people, I've been here too, would simply question, well, why don't you just pray? Why do you need to speak to that, that specific influence? Now, here's the thing. You can pray and you should pray. 
However, you can also speak directly to that for the similar reason why God calls you to share the gospel. God calls you to share the truth. You could simply say, God, would you save that person just like you saved Paul? No other person, you just did it. Would you do that? You could do that. You can pray or you can use the authority that he has given you to go and to share the gospel. Likewise, he's given you the authority to rebuke demons. And so you can do that, not in your own power, but in the power of Jesus. Here's a, here's a, a theologian that I like to follow. Here's, here's the way he puts it. His name's Wayne Grudem. He says this. He says, like a, a wise father who does not settle all of his children's disputes for them, but sometimes sends them back out to the playground to settle a dispute themselves, so our Heavenly Father encourage us, encourages us to enter directly into conflict with demon, demonic forces in the name of Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. You catch that? So this may be the case for you periodically. Other times, it, it may be a really difficult situation. You just need to quote scripture that pertains to what you're facing. You need to do that over and over and over. In all of it, here's what Paul says, Ephesians 6. Pray at all times in the spirit pray at all times in the spirit our, our our primary weapon for spiritual warfare is prayer because what prayer says is god i can't do this i'm dependent on you and so many christians have never in their lives spent a substantial amount of time praying laboring in prayer in the spirit full of the holy spirit just before god pleading begging God to move, claiming God's promises, just saying, God, would you please be victorious, calling on him, asking him in his power to do what he and he alone can do, praying in, in the spirit of God. And, and, and so I would, I would encourage you, do that. Man, maybe there's something in your life that you just like, what, what's up? I cannot find victory over this, this, this sin. And, and God says, pray at all times in the spirit. Utilize the scripture. Utilize my promises. Do it. Do it. Maybe for you it's, 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 it's a, a person that you care deeply about and they just can't seem to have this broken. You just need to pray and, and labor in prayer for that person. Not just a quick, God, I, I give him to you. I give her to you. Labor in prayer for that person. As Paul says, at all times in the spirit. Use these resources that God has, has, has given you to, to use. Know your your weapons. And so these are, are some important, important uh, preparations that I want to encourage all of us uh, to take. Now, there are, for, for us this morning, maybe just perhaps some things that, that God has brought to your attention, maybe just some new truths that are really stirring to you. And, 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 and maybe you're even thinking about the fact that there is some kind of real stronghold in your life um, that may have been brought on by, by Satan. We can't give Satan all the credit again, right? We can't give demons all the credit a lot of it is just the bible calls it the world the flesh and the demonic forces right some of it's just our flesh like we're just sinful right and so you can't blame it on anybody but yourself but maybe you, you're, you're starting to identify some of the strongholds of 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 the evil one in your life maybe it's a habit maybe it's a a reoccurring sin like i said maybe it's a a loved one that that is stuck in something or or un, unsaved maybe it's a feeling of shame that that you have listen Jesus, I want you to know, Jesus can be victorious over this stuff. Know that Revelation chapter 20, here's how it all ends. This is how it all ends, right? Satan and his forces are cast into the lake of fire, and he will be victorious. And so we can know that that is coming. Now, he's going to go down and bring you down with him if he at all possibly can. But no, if you will join Jesus, you will be victorious 
over over this. And so I just I pray, guys, that that we'll leave this morning having talked about it, just kind of an uncomfortable topic. We'll leave with maybe just a better understanding of of these truths. Maybe just maybe it'll spur you on to study a little bit more. Um, really jump into this, study it, know know this stuff. It's it's helpful for us practically. Maybe some of you are going to leave encouraged, man. That that thrills me that you might leave encouraged, knowing that man. Jesus wants to break this. If God is for us, who can be against this? And, and so I just want to just pray that you'll leave just really charged up and really ready to go um, in, in this, this warfare that this life, this life is. Now, it's not all gloom and doom, is it? Right? Christ is, is incredible and victorious, and, and we have hope. And we have joy. And the Bible says we can have abundant life. I mean, it's, this life can be dark at times, but we can have abundant life. And so, so we praise God for that. We're going we're gonna to shift now as you see these tables to my, uh, my, my left and right. Um, we're going to kind of shift now into a time of communion. This might feel a little strange for you, but I think it's actually kind of appropriate. Uh, what we do on the first Sunday of every month is, is we uh, enter into just a time of communion and uh, partake of the, the Lord's Supper and... Um, what we're going to do in just a few minutes is uh, um, we're going to jump up and stand up and, and sing a song. And, and we'll take the bread, which, which represents the body of Christ that was nailed to the cross and, and just beaten for our sin. We're going we're gonna to take the bread. And how we do it here is we dip the bread into the, the juice, which represents the blood of Christ that was shed for the remission of, of sin. And so we're going to partake in communion in that way. And so if you're a Christian, you can come and participate in that with us. For some of you today, you're, you're not a Christian, but in this moment, you, you're, you're ready. You just want to cry out to God as, as they did. Cry out to God and say, God, I need you. I want to follow you. And this is, can be just a really cool, powerful time or symbolic of what has just happened in your heart. I'm following Jesus. I'm trusting in his broken body and his, his blood shed, his, his sacrifice on the cross for me. And you can come and partake in communion as well, but Ben will, ben will tell you at any point in the song, you can, you, can, um, you can participate. Now, let me do this. Let me finish the rest of the story, and then I'll, we'll talk about it for just a minute, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into this. Mark chapter 5, 14 through 20. Here's how it kind of ends up. They all, um, these pigs run into the sea. The man is freed, right? Verse 14. The herdsmen fled and told it to the city, and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, past tense, had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. They just understood, oh my goodness, he is full of power. Verse 18, and as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Cool story, huh? Now, notice Notice this, that the man who was once possessed with demons begs Jesus, can I go with you? Can I, can I go with you? And Jesus says, I want you to, I want you to stay. I want you to, to tell people what has happened in this region, the Decapolis. He says, specifically, I want you to proclaim all that I have done, right? 
And as he proclaims all that Jesus has done in his life, what happens? It says as he proclaims that, everyone marvels at what Jesus has done. And likewise, in, in communion, as it's detailed in Scripture, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says that we, when we participate in communion, it says that we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes, right? We're remembering what he has done, and we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. And so let's, like this man who has been freed, let's, let's come to the, the tables this morning as people who have been freed, who can marvel at what Jesus has done on the cross for us and, and, and can proclaim his death and our identification with that. And we'll do this. We'll do this until he comes, partake in communion. So I'm going to pray. Ben's going to come and lead us, and uh, he'll instruct us about communion.